And right away, let's get to it. We know that the only thing you care about on this show is your chance to win cash. It is the Spring Green Cash Contest. And yesterday, I all but begged for one of you to win the nationwide $1,000 cash contest. And guess what? One of you did. Yes, WISN had three winners yesterday. The first one on Jay's show, the second on mine in the 9 o'clock hour, the third one during Vicky's show at 2. Already we are the nationwide leader in the nationwide cash contest. But the most important thing here at WISN, since we know that as a station we're going to have the most winners, the most important thing is that I personally have the most winners out of every one of the hosts. It's an informal competition between Jay, Belling, Vicky, and me. And your next chance to win it is now. Text the word LUCK, L-U-C-K, LUCK, to 200-200 right now for your chance to win $1,000 in cash instantly. If you enter the contest, you'll receive a confirmation text. Standard message and data rates may apply. Text the word LUCK, as in I wish you all the best luck, to 200-200. And if you are the lucky texter, you have until 10 o'clock. If you're the lucky texter, your text is picked at random. You will receive a phone call from somebody at iHeartMedia Corporate informing you that you have won $1,000 instantly. We play this game twice during my show, 9 o'clock and 10 o'clock. Twice during the Mark Belling late afternoon show, once during Vicky, I believe once during Rush. Yeah, we play 7, 8, 9, 10, noon, 2, 4, and 5 p.m., We have increased the number of chances that you have to win, and our listeners are already taking advantage of it. We had a winner yesterday. I want to see a winner again today. And if you don't win, for the love of all things holy, please don't sound like this. So has anybody been talking about this? The guy that got pulled off the United Airlines flight. It seems like somebody should be talking about this. Has, has, has anybody been making a big deal out of this? I'm kidding, of course. All anybody has been able to talk about since this video first surfaced on Sunday evening has been the guy, the Vietnamese doctor, who was forcibly removed from a United Airlines flight heading from Chicago to Louisville, Kentucky. What happened was that the flight was not overbooked, but United needed to get four pilots and co-pilots to Louisville for a flight that was taking off later that day. Instead of, I don't know, paying for an Uber for these people, United first offered any passengers to be reaccommodated, as the airline euphemistically called it. What happens is everybody who's been in an airport knows this. If a flight is overbooked or they need to get one of their employees on a flight, they'll ask, does anybody want to take us up on this offer? You get on a later flight and we will give you – actually, I just learned this, that the law requires that if you are delayed by between one and two hours – or between one and four hours on an international flight, the airline must pay you twice the amount of the one-way fare. 
okay, up to $675. If the passenger is delayed more than two hours or four hours for international flights, the airline must pay four times the one-way fare up to 1350 Obviously, airlines are free to pay you as much as they want to pay you. I saw a story making the rounds on social media. Some guy was able to get $11,000 from an airline, I believe it was Delta, for being bumped off of an international flight. Nobody took United up on this offer. So then what airlines do, and believe it or not, they are well within their rights to do this. It only happens about a half a percent of the time, but it does happen. The airline can then semi-randomly go to passengers and say, look, you need to be off this flight. We will give you double the amount or four times the amount, depending on how late you're going to be, but you cannot be on this flight. If you ever wondered why the terms and conditions of flying are about 50 pages long, this is why. When you purchase a seat on an airplane, you don't own that seat. You're essentially borrowing it or renting it, more accurately, from the airline. If the airline determines that it needs that seat from you, it is within its rights to do so. Now, United Airlines, whether or not it was within its rights, can anybody really argue that this is good for this company? (laughs) Come on. 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 But everyone in Wisconsin has had to leave a bar like that at least once, dragged from the bar by your arms, screaming. Now, we have heard from the CEO of United Airlines twice now, once in a public statement apologizing and saying that he was going to get to the bottom of what happened. In a letter to employees, though, the CEO, Oscar Munoz, struck a different tone. He did reiterate that the airline followed established procedures. He said that he was upset to see and hear about what happened, but he said the passenger was disruptive and belligerent. Yeah, I probably would be too if I was told while on the plane that I had to get off. You see, what airlines do is they use an algorithm if they're forced to actually pull somebody off the plane. They use an algorithm based on a number of factors. If you're disabled, you're not going to get bumped. If you're an unaccompanied minor, you're not going to get bumped. If you're flying with minor children, you're not going to get bumped. If you're a first-class passenger who paid, didn't use frequent flyer miles, you're not going to get bumped. They also take a look at who is the latest arriving people if you arrive very early you're less likely to get bumped. Now, remember, this happens so incredibly rarely 
that it is likely never going to happen to you. But if you think that the jackbooted Chicago Police Department is going to come on board and drag you off of the flight in full view of your wife and three children on your way to Disney World, it's not going to happen. And I'm not defending United Airlines at all. But if, in fact, say, this passenger was disruptive and belligerent, well, then the airline was probably correct in calling airport authorities. 799-1130-1800-838-9476. The Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin toll-free line. Email dod at newstalk1130.com. Twitter and Facebook at Dan O'Donnell Show. I'm not defending United's practice. In fact, I think the policy of overbooking flights is beyond stupid. And if they really needed to get those pilots to Louisville, Kentucky later that day, For the love of all things holy, pay for an Uber, get them in a taxi cab, rent a limo or something. You can make that drive in a matter of hours. The idea that you would pull paying passengers off of the airline and instead accommodate your own crew, no matter how badly they were needed, is to me nuts. Anyone who has any background in PR, in public relations, should know this. But wait, the CEO, Oscar Munoz, does. Just last month, almost a month ago to the day, PR Week magazine announced that Munoz would be honored at an award ceremony in New York City as its Communicator of the Year. I am not kidding about this. Munoz, the magazine wrote, has shown himself to be a smart, dedicated, and excellent leader who understands the value of communications. His ability to connect and share with employees his vision for the airline and get them to rally behind it is a key reason PR Week named him 2017 Communicator of the Year. Way to earn that title, Oscar. Because this was a PR disaster. Munoz's response and the airline's response turned this into an absolute nightmare. But I think there's something deeper going on here. Because as it's emerging that this doctor, this passenger, might not have been the innocent little snowflake just pulled off by the United Gestapo that he was originally made out to be, that's irrelevant. The whole truth of what happened on this flight does not matter because we live in an age now where, as Mark Twain, at least we think it was Mark Twain, famously said, a lie gets halfway around the world before the truth has a chance to put its pants on thanks to social media. Once the Twitter mob and the Facebook mob pounce on a target, that target is powerless to do anything except meekly grovel for its forgiveness. And that's an interesting state to be in. The Twitter mob can be used for good, to be sure, or it can be used for more nefarious purposes in, say, ginning up outrage against political figures that it disagrees with. Whether or not United was within its rights, and in fact it does appear that it was, 
or whether or not its tactics were appropriate, I would argue that it was most definitely not. Although if after we don't know how long United officials were trying to explain to this guy, look, you have been removed from this seat. I'm sorry. It's a a random thing. We have to take you on this flight. And if he was, in fact, screaming and and shouting obscenities before the, the cell phone cameras started rolling, we don't know. And we aren't going to know because nobody was videotaping then. But the little 20-second to a minute-and-a-half piece of video is all anybody needs to see. And if you have no longer just the people who would have been friends or family members of those taking the video able to see this supposed outrage, the entire world can see this before United Airlines has a chance to respond or, in truth, has a chance to put its pants on. The friendly skies and the friendly airwaves are no longer so friendly when everybody and anybody now has the power to ruin entire corporations or anyone's reputation with just a well-timed video and a shaming tweet. And again, I'm not necessarily saying that this is 100% wrong. But this is indicative of the culture that we live in now. And don't think I don't think about that every time I go out in public. That if somebody overhears something I say, or if I punch a waiter in the face because he brought me the wrong salad dressing, I'm kidding, of course. But if something like that happens, could I be the next target of the social media mob. Katie in New Berlin, you're up first on WISN. And don't worry, I know we've got jammed phone lines on this. We'll extend it another segment because I do want to hear from the public. But Katie, you're up first. Hey, Dan, thanks for taking my call. I I think you're exactly right. We don't know all the details, but I'm probably the only person in the world who, this. it didn't bother me at all seeing the video. It reminded me of the tantrum that my two-year-old girls when I try to enforce the rules. <laughs> you know, that is there is something to that, that this guy, instead of when he saw the police and said, okay, you know, you know what just got real, it, instead of saying, okay, okay, I'll go along, refusing to come and then screaming and being forced to be pulled limply down the aisle – that doesn't exactly scream respect for authority. And I understand he thinks that his rights are being violated. And to the casual observer, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Katie, until I started reading about this yesterday, I I just assumed, and I have a law background, right? I just assumed you pay for your ticket, you have an absolute right once you're on that plane to fly. Well, you don't. And this is why, by the way, everybody hates lawyers, because they're responsible for that fine print that gives United Airlines or any airline the absolute right if they need the seat for whatever reason. In fact, Armin, you flew United. You were off the last couple of days. Producer Armin, uh, producer Scott was filling in. You were in Washington, D.C. and actually got a tour of the White House, which yes, was pretty uh, awesome. a really cool trip. But, but it, on the way back, right. you flew United, and I believe it sounded a little something like this. Give me my pretzels. More ice for my ginger ale. All right, so you flew United without... Right. Any issue whatsoever. Correct. Did you know 
obviously you flew yesterday. Flew so yesterday so it it was, had to have been a bad day to be a United uh, employee. Yeah, quite a bit of happenstance. So the, the, the day we flew yesterday was the day this was really burgeoning. And, you know, it was very ironic um, sitting in the United uh, gate. Watching it on the uh, screens, you know, the, the CNN or whatever. It's news, very meta. News. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was a bad day to be a United employee yesterday. No, none of them looked happy. So did they? Very interesting. What I want to know, yeah. as a way of apologizing to all of you, did they let you keep the entire can of Coca Cola <laughs> instead of just pouring like half of it out? Right, which they do, by the way, and they fill your little cup up with ice. Yeah. But you know, oh, I that's the it. thing that bothers me the most about air travel. Just give me the whole damn cup of soda. Right, and I made the joke yesterday that they'll probably it'll probably be one of the best flights of my life because they'll not they're not going to say no to anything. Right, <laughs> right. You want an extra soda? Here's a twelve pack. You know, here's a just go go. <laughs> no, you you're not charging me for that tiny little bottle of Chardonnay. But it's got to be interesting that this company, in the middle of a PR disaster, how exactly does it operate? More of your phone calls coming up. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. Jet airliner taking off with some beaten passengers for United. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show on News Talk 1130 WISN. TMZ.com always, and I mean always, does the deep investigative reporting that the mainstream media does not because they have found out who this doctor is, and ooh boy, his name is Dr. David Dow, and he has one heck of a sordid history. This from TMZ. He was charged in 2005 with 98 felony drug counts for illegally prescribing and trafficking painkillers. Prosecutors claim Dow fraudulently filled prescriptions for hydrocodone, oxycontin, and Percocet. Dr. Dow was also convicted on six felony counts of obtaining drugs by fraud and deceit and in 2005 was given five years probation. Dow was also convicted for writing prescriptions and checks to a patient in exchange for sex. In medical board documents, Dow denied paying for sex but indicated he accepted sexual favors from an associate in exchange for reducing a debt that associate owed him. In February 2005, Dr. Dow surrendered his license to practice medicine in Kentucky. In 2015, the medical board lifted the suspension and allowed him to practice medicine again. Last year, the medical board imposed restrictions on his right to practice. He can only practice internal medicine in an outpatient facility one day a week. Interestingly... And relevant to the United incident, one doctor assessing Dow's case said he had interpersonal problems, noting, quote, he would unilaterally choose to do his own thing. So that would have been the solution. If Dr. Dow didn't want to get dragged kicking and screaming off of that flight, he should have just offered those officers some oxycodone. This obviously doesn't have too much bearing if any bearing, on the incident itself. But it is interesting to note that this guy, this passenger who was being portrayed in the media as just as pure and and clean as the wind-driven snow, is in fact 
a pretty shady character. I dare say an incredibly shady character. And it does raise the possibility that maybe, maybe he was being this belligerent. Long before the police even arrived. Hey, during the commercial break, I had a chance to talk with a United Airlines pilot. And he said the pilots who were on this flight from Chicago to Louisville, they couldn't have taken an Uber or couldn't have driven. They couldn't have been limoed to Louisville, Kentucky because of the restrictions that the FAA and also the pilots union places on the amount of hours that a pilot can be quote on in a given day a duty day is 12 hours so a pilot has a 12-hour shift and chicago to louisville the caller said was probably about a five to six hour trip so that would take half of the duty day instantly away And if United needed these four pilots, this crew, on another flight, say maybe an international flight, six hours is already stripped away from their duty day. They wouldn't have been able to complete that flight. You see, this is all the union's fault, I think is the lesson here. You see, and this is also why I never fly United. See, I'm telling everybody, I'm virtue signaling and saying, I will never fly United because of what they did to this poor doctor. Really, it's because United flights are incredibly overpriced. See, this is why I only fly Southwest Airlines, where the only time you could get beaten bloody is by another passenger during the mad stampede to get to your seats. Let's go to Mike in Milwaukee. You're on WISN. Yeah, hi, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, First of all, you're hilarious. I love your comment about Wisconsinites not being offended by being dragged out of a bar. <laughs> well, that was hilarious. Thank, thank you. you. And sadly, it does have a grain of truth to it. <laughs> right. That's why it was funny. The truth is, the truth is funnier than fiction. So, um, no, I've been a Milwaukee police officer for over 21 years. And the way that I saw this was, you know, United, they're following all the same rules as every other airline. Yep. I'm sure other airlines, like you said, a, a very small percentage of, of these cases ever arise. But, um, again, I, you're right. They didn't show the beginning of the video, how this guy was acting beforehand. But those airport authority officers, I'm not sure if they're certified law enforcement officers, but um, how the one guy who dragged him out of the seat was reacting, you could see that his coworkers that were with him were very calm. Yes. And, uh, you know, whether he was, you know, regardless of his past or whether he was intoxicated or medicated Which, or by the way, I, I don't want to interrupt, Mike, but that is entirely a possibility that was not discussed. And now that you bring it up and while you were on hold, you heard me tell the story from TNC, uh, TMZ. He was convicted of trafficking in painkillers. I think it's a legitimate question to ask. Was this guy high on something? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But that doesn't excuse. I mean, if, if that guy's a certified law enforcement officer, especially these days, with all of, you know, uh, you know yeah. in Milwaukee and throughout the nation with dealing with mentally ill people, that's a very hot-button issue. And whether they're mentally ill or intoxicated or, you know, high on drugs, you know, you're supposed to be trained to deal with them in a way where, you know, it doesn't matter what you do as long as, you know, you can say what you want but do as I say, and you're trained to deal with these people and grabbing them and throwing them around. And, again, 
you know, the video itself, like you said, doesn't show what happened before, but you can tell by the other airline passengers' reactions when you hear it in the background, they're all, it sounds like they're kind of appalled. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're saying, God, whoa, what are you doing? And, you know, so I, I think United needs to get in front of this and say, hey, we were, we, we only did our part, what we're entitled to do. And, and that, you know, that officer, you know, not everybody has to be so, you know, pro law enforcement right. all the time. Some, and, and it's my understanding that that guy is suspended now. So, as I well, mean, as well, he probably should be out there. And I think you're right, Mike. I, I think, and this is great perspective, and thank you for sharing it, especially coming from a Milwaukee police officer or any law enforcement officer, really. Did that law enforcement officer himself act appropriately? Because we're all focused on United Airlines. United Airlines did, it seems, everything by the book, as weird as this sounds and as bad as it looks for this airline. And admittedly, it is bad. If I were running an airline... I, I mean, I guess I first wouldn't charge as much as United Airlines does. Yes, I am a little bitter. Because they do have some great nonstop flights. I'm telling you, I only fly Southwest. And I swear I am not being paid by Southwest Airlines. But when you've got a family of five, when you've got three kids, every one of them now needs a seat because my daughter's two now. Trust me, you go for the cheapest flight, and it is never Delta, it's never United, it is invariably, it's either Southwest, Ryanair, which I believe is an Irish airline. Uh, well, it depends where you're flying. Like Spirit Air it is does always, Spirit Airlines. But, but What's to, the other one? Um, well, there's Frontier and stuff. But well, yeah, there's Frontier. No, the low-cost carriers, the real low-cost carriers. It's yeah. like Southwest. There's Spirit Airlines. There's, I mean, they've basically got airlines where you're kind of hanging from a strap like you're on the subway. Those are the airlines I fly. But whether or not United was within its rights, I think Mike is correct that it needs to get ahead of this and said, look, we did everything by the book. If you have beef, it's with that officer. Now, you might anger some law enforcement groups with this, but it does seem out of everybody in this incident, he was the one who acted improperly. Pierre in New Berlin, you're on WISN. Hey, how's it going? Hey, Pierre. Yeah, I just want to make a quick comment, and if I could, I'd like to make a public service announcement. That would take two seconds. <laughs> okay. No, seriously, something that came up in the conversation. But um, this is one of the classic cases where you have people not knowing the difference just because something's legal does not mean it's morally right. You, you, you know, so, so yeah, okay, they're within the law, but that was just totally – um, I mean, it looked horrible for the company. They're going to lose all kinds of money over this now, maybe even go out of business. Well, you know, uh, a very wise man, and I'm going to suck up a little bit. Uh, my boss, Jerry, we were talking about, you know, incidents like this. No, I didn't do anything wrong. But he said, when a company is faced with a, a you know, disaster, if there's something like, say, in the broadcasting industry, if I just go off on a 20-minute tear of nothing but obscenities – what would happen to me? There are two things that have to be considered. One, is there legal liability? Two, is there public relations liability? In uh, other words, we might not get sued for something I say on the air, but boy, if it makes WISN or it makes iHeartMedia corporate look bad, right, there's right. a pretty good chance that I'm getting canned. Oh, oh and my announcement, my announcement real quick, yeah. always buy a, a seat. For your baby, if there's an emergency on that plane, they make you put your baby on the floor. Really? 
Yes, sir. Is this every airline? Yeah, that's what they do. We're, we're, we're Just out of curiosity, how do you know this? Um, I'm kind of a um, crash investigation groupie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. So you got to put your baby on the floor. You can't hold your baby? Correct. They will not let you. Well, hold wait baby. a second. Wait a second. What, what's all this in the pre-flight instructions where they say put your mask on first and then help your child? You got to reach it down to the floor. Well, maybe. Yeah. If, if I mean, if it's a if it's a situation where they tell you to um you know lean your head forward into the seat in front of you. Yeah. That baby's on the floor. But but that doesn't make any sense. I mean, the baby therefore has no seatbelt, no protection. It seems like exactly. the child would be safer in your arms. Exactly. Yeah, and also, if the crash, plane is going uh, down, I'm taking a wild guess. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> I'm taking a wild guess. If the plane's going down, the uh, the the flight attendants are not checking to make sure everybody is following proper precautions. I'm going to take a wild guess. You can probably hold on to your baby, but a good public service announcement there, Pierre. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show. Much more coming up. Conservative thought, not just talk. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show. The next generation is here. You want to hear a quick impression? Quick impression. This is liberals the moment they learned that Donald Trump had won the presidential election. I'm sorry, it's just never going to get old. Never going to get old. Quick impression. The latest Elizabeth Warren press conference. I will say, United Airlines is facing quite possibly the biggest PR crisis since like two weeks ago with the leggings fiasco. Remember that one? When the two girls who were, well, women, uh, who were United employees or they were family or somebody, they were taking advantage of the United friends and family fly and they were like representatives of United. And United has strict dress codes on this and people were shaming this airline for not letting these women wear leggings onto the plane. When it turns out United was following its procedure, I will say. With this incident, with the passenger being dragged off, we now know he's Dr. David Dow, and he apparently has a very long, very sordid history with trafficking in painkillers like hydrocodone and oxycodone from 10, 12 years ago, and had just received his medical license back in 2015. United is lucky about one thing. It is lucky that Dr. David Dow was not a black man. And I am not making a joke about this. Could you imagine? Dow, by the way, is of Asian descent. He's born and raised in Vietnam. has been living in Louisville, Kentucky for at least the last 20 years. Could you imagine the outrage? Oh, my goodness. United Airlines would probably be bankrupt right now. It would take 24 hours, if that passenger were black, for the mob to come for them. They just wouldn't have an airline anymore. They would no longer have – United Airlines would just cease to exist. This is the level of outrage. And I want to know, by the way, 
why have none of these li- has have any liberals pulled the race card on this? Because you know darn well if it was a black guy or an Hispanic guy or a woman, they would have been playing this race. I just he's an Asian guy. Why is nobody playing the race card here? Why is nobody claiming that what United did is racist? Just an interesting question about the liberal double standards that we see. Oh, and by the way, uh, before we get to Phil in Oak Creek, John Cho, the actor, I think he plays Mr. Sulu, maybe, in the Star Trek movies. He was in Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. (laughs) He actually tweeted, It's hard not to see this incident on United as being fueled by the Trump presidency. Yes, there are liberals who really are trying to blame Donald Trump for what happened on this flight. Phil in Oak Creek, you're on WISN. Oh, oh man, Donald. Don, Dan, oh, that, that's priceless. Um, you know, it's incidents like this. If you'll remember back a few years where some people were held on the tarmac for two to three hours and we're not let off the plane why people have been pushing for a passenger bill of rights yeah because you are at the mercy of the airlines no matter what you sure are the only thing missing from that video was a can of pepsi (laughs) really (laughs) i think rush said that yesterday why didn't the cop just give the guy a can of pepsi it's like kendall jenner have we learned nothing have we learned nothing from the pepsi commercial You know, by the way, Phil, Phil, you know there is one person in the world who is delighted as all get out that this is happening to United. The CEO of Pepsi. CEO of Pepsi Pepsi and Kendall Jenner are beyond ecstatic that nobody is outraged by them anymore, that we're saving all of our outrage for United Airlines. Thanks for the call, Phil. Uh, (laughs) It is interesting. It's just interesting the things that we get outraged over, and maybe this is worthy of international scorn. Maybe it isn't. But if we're going to pass judgment and condemn an entire airline and an entire company, and again, I don't have a dog in this fight. I have not. I don't have a horse in this race. I haven't flown United in, it's got to be years, since Southwest Airlines made a commitment to treating me like a piece of cattle and treating all of its passengers like a herd of cattle. But doggone it, if you can get me to Orlando for 95 bucks one way, you can you can put me in steerage. Southwest, you can stick me in a piece of luggage and have me fly below the passengers for rates like that. I never fly United. I don't fly Delta. I got a family of five. You think I can afford $300 one way? My goodness. So... You know what? The important thing to note here is that we live in an era where outrage can be ginned up and, yes, manufactured in an instant. The power of social media is so great that one of the biggest companies, certainly one of the biggest airlines in the world, has been brought to its knees by a cell phone video and angry Twitter users. Never forget 
how much the world has changed. And never forget that Dan O'Donnell has stuff to give away. Not only are we playing the Spring Green Cash Contest, we want you to send you to the Milwaukee County Zoo's Zootastic event. It benefits the Zoological Society. It is Friday night, April 28th from 5 to 9 p.m. And we have got a four-pack of tickets to give away right now. Let's see. What caller shall we take? What flight was this? This was United Flight 3411 that this guy was dragged off of. So we'll take caller number 35, 34 for flight number 3411. Caller number 34 right now to 799-1130 and 1-800-838-9476 on the Pella windows and doors of Wisconsin toll-free line. Wins a four-pack of tickets to Zootastic at the Milwaukee County Zoo. I'm a zoo member. They always put on fantastic events. It's always a good time going to the zoo. And by April 28th, chances are the weather is going to be spectacular. And we're giving away a four-pack of tickets each day this week week caller number 34 right now good luck you're listening to the dan o'donnell show now conservative thought not just talk this is the dan o'donnell show on news talk 1130 wisn you guys won't believe this another Winner in the iHeartMedia Spring Green Cash Contest for WISN. Tom Grisa, or Grissa of Brookfield, listening to Jay Weber's show at 7 o'clock this morning. He entered the contest. His text was randomly selected out of the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of iHeart stations who play this contest. He won $1,000. We had a winner at 9 a.m. during the Dan O'Donnell show yesterday. Jay had a winner yesterday. Vicky had a winner yesterday. That means in our unofficial contest, Jay is up two winners to one on me and on Vicky. And shockingly, the guy who usually does the absolute best in this contest, Belling, doesn't have a winner yet. But more importantly, you have a chance to win right now by texting the word bank b-a-n-k to 200 200 text the word bank as in if you text in you could win bank to 200 200 if you enter the contest you will receive a confirmation text standard message and data rates apply you have until 11 o'clock so no hurry but text the word bank to 200 200 war drums are beating in north korea this time kim jong-un who has been accurately described as china's fat kid little brother is saying that he will respond to american aggression in any way possible he tells the afp That this goes to prove that the U.S. reckless moves for invading the DPRK, Democratic People's Republic of Korea, have reached a serious phase. This through a spokesperson. The DPRK is ready to react to any mode of war desired by 
the U.S. This as the United States moved what's known as a strike group, including the Nimitz-class aircraft supercarrier, the USS Carl Vinson. It canceled a planned trip to Australia this weekend, instead heading to the Korean Peninsula for a show of force. And we have exclusive audio of Kim Jong-un complaining about this. I'm sorry, that audio of the United Airlines passenger will never get old. Yes, I know it's terrible that he had to be dragged off the plane. He was just making some funny noises. And he sounds like every Democratic politician press conference I have ever heard. Later on this hour, I'm going to tell you what I was doing last night. I was at a State of Talk Radio summit put on by Milwaukee Magazine. Vicky was there. Vicky McKenna and I from WISN. Uh, Jerry Bader from a WTAQ in Green Bay. And a couple of the dudes from the liberal station. And wouldn't you know it, they packed this event, this group Citizen Action of Wisconsin. They're all there wearing their blue shirts. And they had they they had audience questions and they were lining up to just hurl accusations posing as questions towards Vicky and me. These citizen action people, they took the microphone. This is actually what it sounded like when they were asking us questions. That was actually a question about Governor Walker's budget uh, coming from a member of Citizen Action of Wisconsin. <laughs> I do have some funny stories. Vicky and I uh, and her her uh, friend Roger uh, went out for a beer afterwards. We're just kind of laughing at some of the insane vitriol with these people. Well, it was it was our fault, really. This thing was at the Colectivo Coffee on Prospect. We were really wading into the belly of the beast. And we show up. You see all these people wearing the blue radioactive shirts. You, you remember that campaign? They wanted to get us thrown off the air. They wanted to get WISN thrown off the air and put a liberal station on. Well, how well did that campaign work out last year? WISN now has another conservative talk show host, me, that we put on the air. So great work, guys. Great work all around. Uh, War drums are beating, though. North Korea is claiming that it is ready to go to war. China, though, is the one feeling... The pressure. Donald Trump in early morning tweets says only Donald Trump can do put the pressure on China and made it clear in no uncertain terms that as the United States and China are negotiating a new trade deal, that China will get more favorable terms if it helps keep North Korea in check. Remember, North Korea, known as the hermit nation, is really a sort of quasi-client state of the Chinese government. Where do you suppose North Korea got its nuclear technology? The Chinese have essentially been the implicit hammer behind all of Kim Jong-un and before him, his father, Kim Jong-il, and before him, his grandfather, Kim Il-sung's threats. The entire world knows that these are essentially empty threats, but the entire world has to take the North seriously. Now, look, every time they launch a missile, it ends up somewhere in the ocean. 
they don't have very good ballistic missile capability, but near as anybody can tell, they are nuclear capable. The last thing anybody wants is a nuke being fired. And given the North Korean missile technology, we don't want an errant missile firing at the U.S. but landing somewhere in New Zealand, which is entirely likely. China, we also know, would go to bat for the North Korean government as a client state allied with also Russia. And this is where things get really interesting. And it's not a dire doomsday prediction to say that the opening salvo of World War III could be in Syria. Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, just took off from the G7 summit in Italy for Russia. He's the first member of the Trump administration to go to Russia. And now apparently in the media, the narrative is no longer that Trump was colluding with Russia because Russia was installing him as a puppet, as the president, but that Trump is going to get us all killed in a war with Russia. You see how the narrative kind of evolves. First, Trump was a Russian double agent. Now Trump is going to get us killed in a war with Russia. Uh, So Tillerson is over there. And it's interesting that the Trump administration is applying the exact same strategy to Russia over Syria, Bashar al-Assad, its effective client state, as the Trump administration is doing with China and its client state, North Korea. Tillerson is saying, look, the Assad era in Syria is over. And Russia can either continue to prop him up and side with Iran and Syria and the bad actors of the world, or it can join the rest of the Western world, the quote-unquote good nations of the globe, and help us get rid of Assad. Here's what... Tillerson had to say it's a very interesting prepared statement that he made just before he left Italy in the G7 summit for Russia. Last week Bashar al-Assad's regime killed even more of its own people using chemical weapons. Our missile strike in response to his repeated use of banned weapons was necessary as a matter of U.S. national security interest. We do not want the regime's uncontrolled stockpile of chemical weapons to fall into the hands of ISIS or other terrorist groups who could and want to attack the United States or our allies. Nor can we accept the normalization of the use of chemical weapons by other actors or countries in Syria or elsewhere. The U.S. is grateful for the statements of all of our partners who have expressed support for our timely and proportional response. As events shift, the United States will continue to evaluate its strategic options and opportunities to de-escalate violence across Syria. Many nations look to the Geneva process to resolve the Syrian conflict in a way that produces stability and gives the Syrian people the opportunity to determine their own political future. And our hope is Bashar al-Assad will not be a part of that future. If the Astana ceasefire negotiations become effective towards achieving a durable ceasefire, then the Geneva process has the opportunity to accelerate. To date, Astana has not produced much progress. 
It is also clear Russia has failed to uphold the agreements that had been entered into under multiple UN Security Council resolutions. These agreements stipulated Russia as the guarantor of a Syria free of chemical weapons, that they would also locate, secure, and destroy all such armaments in Syria. Stockpiles and continued use demonstrate that Russia has failed in its responsibility to deliver on its 2013 commitment. It is unclear whether Russia failed to take this obligation seriously or Russia has been incompetent. But this distinction doesn't much matter to the dead. We can't let this happen again. All right, so this is the Trump administration's red line, which has been enforced by the use of force, by the attacking, the bombing of the airfield in Syria from where that chemical weapons attack was launched. Now, Russian President Vladimir Putin has issued a statement in response, and interestingly enough, he sounds a whole lot like conspiracy theorists in the United States, like Ron Paul, who suggests that Assad himself did not launch this chemical weapons attack. In fact, Putin came out in a press conference and said he would not be surprised if the United States prepared airstrikes on the Syrian capital of Damascus. He said the U.S. is planning to fake chemical weapons attacks. This was during a joint press conference with Italy's president. And he insisted Russia would tolerate Western criticism of its role in Syria, but hoped that attitudes would eventually soften. But he also claimed that Russia's information strikes are being planned by the U.S. on the southern Damascus region, the aim of which is to blame the resulting devastation on the subsequently discredited Syrian government. There's no evidence for this whatsoever, just as there's no evidence for the idea that somehow the Syrian rebels or even the United States government itself faked last week's chemical weapons attack. And no, just claiming, but Assad's winning the civil war. He would have no reason to launch chemical weapons. We have the flight path of the plane that dropped chemical weapons. We have witnesses. In fact, there is at least one with cell phone video of the plane flying overhead. It is, in fact, a Syrian military jet. And you know what we found in the bombed remains of the, what is it, the Al-Arabiya, Al-Sharia, Al-something or other airfield? We found old Soviet-era chemical weapons containers. This is evidence enough that this was the Assad regime. Why would he do this? The, the answer is obvious. He wants to crush the rebellion once and for all. Think of him as sort of like Darth Vader. Was there really a reason to blow up Alderaan with the Death Star? I mean, the Empire was winning the war, right? What was the reason? He did it to show force. This is, you have to understand how a strong man thinks. See, we don't, despite what liberals will claim about Donald Trump, we don't have leaders who think like this in the United States. It's sort of foreign thinking to us. Someone like Bashar al-Assad will use chemical weapons, if only to show his strength, show his dominance, crush the will of his opposition, and yes, test the rest of the world. 
to see if this sort of behavior will be tolerated. Test his allegiances to Russia. Will the Russian government continue to back him? And yes, the Russian government is most assuredly backing the al-Assad regime, even though it claims to be fighting ISIS. All of the targets that it's hit with its airstrikes seem to target only those forces that threaten Assad troops, regardless of whether or not they're, in fact, ISIS positions. The idea, though, that the Trump administration doesn't have an idea what it's doing with its bombing of this airfield and now having a show of force off of the coast of the Korean Peninsula is sort of ludicrous because the strategy is very clear. It's to put pressure on the nations of Russia and China, the real global powers, to get their pet dogs in line. Syria and North Korea, in the grand scheme of things, are sort of like your neighbor's annoying dog. I think I heard this on Fox News or or someone made this analogy. And right now they're barking pretty loudly. The last thing you want is your neighbor to think it's okay that their dog can take a dump on your lawn. We have to, you know what, show the neighbors with a couple missile carriers, with a bombing raid, that we're not going to take this anymore. America, once again, has to assert itself as the dominant global power. And no, this doesn't mean starting a war in the Middle East. I love how everybody assumes that one bombing campaign, after how many years of ISIS bombing campaigns in the Middle East, automatically means that Donald Trump is going to involve us in World War III. This is putting diplomatic pressure on both China and Russia simultaneously to let them know that a resurgent America is watching. A resurgent America will no longer allow their proxy states to run rampant. All of this talk that Trump has no idea what he's doing, that his Joint Chiefs of Staff had no idea what they're doing is ludicrous. This strategy is patently obvious. It's just something we haven't seen after eight years of Obama. 1026 News Talk 1130 WISN. You're listening to The Dan O'Donnell Show. This is the Dan O'Donnell Show. Mostly cloudy and cool today. High of 46 degrees. Fox 6 weather first forecast calls for partly cloudy skies tonight. Low down to 39. Increasing clouds with a high of 58 degrees. Going to start to warm up towards the weekend by Easter Sunday. Fingers crossed we're looking at partly cloudy skies and a high of 65 to 70 degrees. But we will see a chance for showers and thunderstorms. Thursday and Friday, possibly Saturday as well for the community Easter egg hunts. A lot of those take place on Saturday because everybody knows the Easter Bunny comes Saturday night. 
So you've got to find the eggs that he hides on Sunday morning. So we always go to an Easter egg hunt on Saturday morning. Then we die. Easter eggs might have to be doing that inside as it's looking like it's going to be scattered showers pretty much throughout the day on Saturday. But fortunately, the real Easter egg hunt, the Easter egg or the Easter bunnies uh, eggs could be hidden outside on Sunday. So last night. I was invited by Milwaukee Magazine, and I believe it was Wisconsin Public Radio was co-hosting this event, too. Uh, but it was put on by Milwaukee Magazine at the Collectivo Coffee down on Prospect Avenue. And it was called The State of Talk Radio in the Era of Trump. And it was me on the panel, Vicki McKenna, and I'm sure she's going to be talking about this on her show at 2 o'clock in the afternoon today, plus Jerry Bader from WTAQ and Mike Crute from the Liberal Station here in town, and Earl Ingram. You probably know him as our longtime caller, Earl on the North Side. Now, this event was open to the public. I believe they had to buy tickets, and they had a bar, and they had a musician playing, a really talented musician. I'm ashamed to say I forgot his name, a really talented guy. Um, I arrive at about 6.45. We're told to be there about 15 minutes before this is scheduled to begin at 7 o'clock. And I see Vicky, and we say hi and look around, and mention quietly to each other that, hey, everybody in here appears to be wearing the blue Citizen Action of Wisconsin t-shirts or the blue Radioactive t-shirts. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this group, Citizen Action of Wisconsin is a liberal advocacy group that, near as I can tell, has the official motto and the official slogan of I'm telling you that United Airlines passenger sound will never get old but this is one of these shrieking lefty groups and they launched a campaign called Radioactive now the Journal Sentinel was fully fully supportive of this campaign you know what they wanted to do they wanted to challenge WISN's FCC license or put pressure on our great advertisers to take their ads off of hate radio and instead advertise on a new liberal talk station. Well, that didn't exactly work. We lost a grand total of zero advertisers and now have more revenue than ever and more great advertisers joining every single day. These people showed up, packed this event, and basically yelled stuff at us. Now, the ironic thing was that the liberal talk show hosts were as nice as could be. Earl is Earl and didn't really say anything worthwhile. I ended up really liking, and I kind of knew Mike Crute, uh, he and Dominic Salvia, so they do they're called the devil's advocates and they worked up until a couple of months ago 
at our iHeart station, there was a liberal talk station that we ran in Madison. Well, we decided to flip the format right around election time. I think it's like classic hits now, classic rock. And the Devil's Advocates guys, who were, I think, leasing time, they were out of a job. So they actually got picked up for syndication by a small syndicate. I was talking to to Crute and, and Dom for a little bit just about that whole process and how they enjoyed it. We were just talking shop. We were just talking about radio stuff. And that's the dirty little secret about talk radio, that even the liberals... Uh, we all we all get along. We all have this sort of common bond of being in the radio business, and we were all posing for pictures and you know talking very friendly and all that. And we get on the panel, and honestly, I was I was sitting next to Vicky on one side, and this liberal guy Mike Crute on the other. I spent half the time when I didn't have the mic. Vicky and Earl. I hope somebody has video of this. You know, all the citizen action boobs were taping this because they tried to and this is i swear what they were trying to do they were trying to catch vicky or me saying something offensive so that they can then put on the radio or put on uh, the internet and just like what happened to united try to get a twitter mob to demand that we get off the air right to demand that we're off the air because every time i noticed this from the crowd there's you know a couple dozen people there whatever it was every time one of us spoke the phones went up. Somebody was was taping. And I love this. These these citizen action people, the radioactive campaign. Do you know what the what they have these up on Facebook or they uh, maybe on YouTube? I saw it on Facebook. But they have YouTube videos. They're recording everything we say. It's sort of like Media Matters for America, this group that's now targeting Bill O'Reilly. They were targeting Rush Limbaugh. They just record everything in the vain hope that we're going to say something racist or sexist. Do you know what they got on me? I'm on YouTube, uh, this this radioactive campaign. I am on YouTube, and they the worst thing that I said, this is terrible. And it's on the internet for all of history. I said the word poop. <laughs> you think I am kidding. I did an essay in which I was lambasting Mayor Barrett for dumping literal feces into the waterways after promising that he was going to stop MMSD uh, uh, wastewater dumping back when he first ran for mayor in 2004. But he dumped billions upon billions of gallons of wastewater. And I said, what a perfect metaphor for the Barrett mayorship, the actual dumping of actual feces on the heads of Milwaukeeans, because that's what they've gotten with Mayor Barrett, a nice genial guy who's just been dumping poop on him. So I'm on the Internet with this citizen action group. And they said, look at what Dan O'Donnell is. Look at the awful things that this guy says. He says the word poop. Boy, the de- to the fainting couches, citizen action. Oh, dear. Boy, I I hope they don't learn about the book that's super offensive called Everybody Poops. They might have a conniption over this. So the panel was nice as could be. I, I really didn't get into any arguments because it was funny. Everything I say, and, you know, this is the style of radio I do. I don't just kind of say stuff to say it. Everything I say is meticulously researched and backed up with facts. And there was a huge argument that erupted over voter ID. This is the big issue for 
local liberals, apparently. It's still voter ID. It is still the idea that you have to prove who you are in order to vote. So I take the microphone and remind people about the 2004 Milwaukee Police Department investigation that recommended charges against 16 different people, including members of the John Kerry campaign, who the police department said, with a whole lot of evidence, used Wisconsin's same-day voter registration and lack of voter ID to fraudulently register people to vote. What happened? The Democratic DA, E. Michael McCann, refused to prosecute. The Democratic police chief, I believe at the time it was Artie Jones, disbanded that group. They would not allow this unit, this Milwaukee Police Department voter investigation unit, to observe the polls in 2008. The leader of this resigned in disgust because Barrett very obviously wouldn't let them watch the polls. And the head of this unit said, we knew what to look for. We knew how to spot their fraud. They obviously didn't want us doing this. You should have seen the crowd. Mouths hanging open. Not one person had any idea how to answer this. Not one. And nobody even tried. Nobody on the panel. Nobody from, what is it called, the Greek chorus, where you hear voices from off the stage just kind of yelling stuff at you. There was one guy, there was one brave soul who was reading from a proposed statement when they opened it up for questions. And he goes... Do any of you recognize logical fallacies such as, and he lists off this long list of things that conservative talk show hosts do. And I think he was referencing me because he said, implying that you are the only one with common sense. Do you recognize logical fallacies such as ad hominem attacks and blah, 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 and all this stuff that conservatives do? And finally, when it was time to answer, I said, well, you know, I do recognize logical fallacies. Like, say, the straw man fallacy that you just used, building up a fake conservative talk show host in order to tear him down instead of directly going at conservative talk show hosts that are sitting right in front of you. And he just kind of stood there for a minute and I gave him a peace sign like, hey, sorry, I didn't want to drop their microphone. I really wanted to drop the microphone after I said that, but I thought I would get in trouble that Colectivo Coffee would get mad at me. And then... They, of course, claim that we're all racist, that all conservative talk show hosts are racist. And, you know, I, I don't want to I don't want to say Vicky's age, but I'm 35. Right. Do you know what example they used for how racist we were? How conservative talk show hosts reacted after Jesse Anderson killed his wife and blamed it on black thugs at Northridge Mall. When that happened, no lie, I was like 10 years old. And Vicky and I kind of look at each other, and I, I said under my breath, I'm like, I was 10 when that happened. She's like, yeah, I know. I think I was like 20. <laughs> I mean, it was just like, we have nothing to do with this. And it's something that supposedly Belling said, which I, I don't remember. I mean, Belling was probably the only guy on the radio. They're honestly trying to blame the decline in Milwaukee's black community, not on the Democratic Party which has had near unanimous control, near an ironclad grip on the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee's black community for 108 years. But the decline was because of racist talk radio hosts who demonize the black community. I am not, I, I, I'm stunned. Vicky actually turned to Earl when he said this and, and said, are you nuts? 
Nobody from the inner city listens to conservative talk, right? I actually take a little bit of exception to that because, Armin, we get calls from the north side. We get African-American callers, not super regularly, but there are people listening. But the idea that you blame people on the radio for the decline of and, – and of course, Earl, as you know him from the numerous screeds that he's had on all of our shows, just a completely fact-free straw man argument of what all you – and I eventually stopped Earl in his tracks. He said, you all say all of this and you're all doing all this racist stuff. And I, I said, who, Earl? Who are you talking to? He said, all of you, all conservatives. I'm like, oh, Earl, are you stereotyping an entire group of people based on characteristics that you ascribe to those people? Caring not about individuals because to me, that sort of seems prejudiced. And once again, he shut up. Everybody shut up. I kind of like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that as a new tagline. Dan O'Donnell. He doesn't start arguments. He finishes them. But it was a lot of fun. It was a great time. <laughs> Vicky and I got together for a beer afterwards, and we're just kind of laughing. They eventually, Vicky and Earl got into it so uh, badly. They were, they were going at each other. It was over Sheriff Clark. And, of course, these people are just obsessed with Clark. And I actually, I actually laughed uh, because I was, I was of course, making, making jokes. It's what I do. And they're, they're you know talking about Sheriff Clark and how terrible he is. And I said, yeah, man, those Democrats, they can't be, char- they can't be in charge of anything, can they? And, of course, I got roundly booed. And then I started talking to Crute about something or other. We were just kind of joking around. And before I knew it, the microphones were turned off and the music was playing like this big and people were filing out. I'm like, did we just get silenced? I'm like, all right. See you guys at the bar. It was just it was a funny event. Look for the story on it. Milwaukee Magazine. Uh, thanks to the managing editor there, Tom Tolan and Bonnie from uh, Wisconsin Public Radio for moderate. I actually made the joke as everybody was kind of yelling at each other that there were uh, two of the hardest jobs in America today. One was moderating this panel. The other, doing PR for United Airlines. You're listening to the Dano. Dan O'Donnell Show, News Talk 1130 WISN. No lie, my wife has been texting me throughout the show. You think she's responding to the United Airlines story? You think she wants to know more about the talk radio panel that I was on last night? No. She wants to know, and I quote, I'm going to go back through my texts. Hold on, hold on, hold on. And, of course, it brings up Facebook. And I quote, when do I take my car in? She wants me to take her van to Mander Collision and Glass in Waukesha. I've been talking about these guys. They're our brand new sponsor here on the Dan O'Donnell Show. I am not even kidding you. She has been hounding me for the last couple of days because she's on spring break right now. And she wants to to take her van in to get it detailed because she saw the job that Mander Collision and Glass did on my car and how quickly they did it. I dropped it off on a Friday morning, got my car back on a Friday afternoon. They gave me a loaner. So I didn't have to call an Uber. I didn't have to you know, go to Enterprise and, and get a rental car or anything like that. They've got a fleet of rental cars. 
And they also took care of all the dents and dings and scratches. I drive a black SUV. So you can imagine every door ding, every time I'm at the gym and some joker opens his door right into the side of my car, it shows. I had 14 scratches, dings, dents, all of that. Matter Collision and Glass got rid of him in 20 minutes. They have a revolutionary technique that is able to get rid. I mean, you're not going to be able to see anything. And they could do it for far cheaper than other uh, collision and, and auto repair places. They just can't. They, they work incredibly quickly. And you can have your car within a matter of minutes. And how about this for convenience? Upload a picture of your damage to mandercollision.com. They'll text you back or they'll email you back with a quote. You don't have to take your car in. You don't have to go all the way across town to one place and then do another to see what's the best price. I guarantee you Mander Collision is going to give you the best price because of this revolutionary technique. They do major jobs too. And they will restore your car to like new for less money. But for the quick repairs, there's no other option. you got to go to Mander Collision. Tell them Dan sent you. It's mandercollision.com. We have got our own Chelsea Clinton in Wisconsin. Did you know this? Chelsea Clinton, right here in Wisconsin, running for attorney general in the state. Peg Lautenschlager's son... Chelsea Call, or excuse me, Josh Call, is going to challenge Brad Schimmel in the 2018 election for attorney general. He is best known for being the son of Peg Lautenschlager. And we were wondering why Lautenschlager abruptly resigned from the Wisconsin Ethics Commission. Because if there is one person who exemplifies ethics in Wisconsin... It is the former attorney general who used a state-owned vehicle to drive drunk, fall asleep at the wheel, and crash into a ditch back in 2004. Seriously, this is what happened the last time Democrats were in charge of the Department of Justice. And it's Josh Call's mom. You've got to be kidding me. Call himself has a rather scant resume. He was assistant U.S. attorney in Baltimore. And he's claiming that that Schimmel is too involved in politics. I I wish I was making this up. Do you know what this guy does? He works at Perkins Coy, which is like the Democrat law firm. Whenever a Democrat is in trouble, they go to Perkins Coy. He represented Hillary Clinton in the ridiculous Jill Stein recount. You want to know why, in part, there was a recount? People like Josh Call. He was also responsible for getting a sympathetic judge in Madison to put on hold Wisconsin's voter ID law. You want to know why we aren't able to limit early voting? It's because of an attorney just like Josh Call. In fact, it was Josh Call. And this is my favorite thing that I've learned in doing my research about uh, about little Chelsea Lautenschlager. There was a crowd at John Chisholm's birthday party that wanted Chisholm to run a couple of weeks ago. They're all urging Chisholm to run. Big surprise, you get Chelsea Call instead. Much more on that and plenty more when the Dan O'Donnell Show returns tomorrow. Rush Limbaugh coming up next.